Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. Hybrid work. Even before the pandemic, there were a lot of opinions as to whether hybrid work was a valid work model. And as we are now into almost the third year of the pandemic, the topic is getting more and more complicated. You could say that working at home some of the time and coming in a few days a week is the best of both worlds, but there are a lot of arguments to be made as well. If your job can be done off-site, can it not be done off-site for all five days? Or if you have to be there to collaborate with your colleagues, and if that's effective, should you not be there all five days? You know, which one's the perfect model? Companies are all over the place with this. They're not really sure. Some are trying things and abandoning them, or some are sure they know which side is the right one, but maybe their workers don't agree with that. Not really a huge consensus. And the only consensus that we do have is that we need workers. We need the best workers. Companies want to find the best workers. So, you know, it would make sense to say that forcing people into the office if they don't want to be there is probably not the best way to go about that. Well, my guest on today's episode is Professor Nicholas Bloom. Now, he's an economics professor at Stanford University, and he thinks there's a happy medium to be had amongst all of the, the considerations. I talked to him about his own research and also about what he's been hearing from companies that are on the front line and putting together policies. He has a lot of really interesting things to share, a lot of insights, so it's worth listening to because, you know, this is absolutely a time of flux and it's time to talk about what the options are. I had a great conversation about all of it with Professor Bloom. Please stay with us to hear it. practical right now, but as soon as it is, should you force everyone to go back to the office? My guest today is Professor Nicholas Bloom. He is Professor of Economics at Stanford University. He thinks it would be a mistake for organizations to force people back to work. He joins me here to talk about it. Hi, Nick. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Linda. Thanks for having me on. You know, Nick, I have a lot of questions about remote work and hybrid work and you know, what we should be thinking about right now, but I always do like to ask my guests about their own careers, how they ended up doing what they're doing. Uh, I was really random. I uh, studied economics as an undergrad. Uh, it went well. Did a PhD at some point. I uh, thought maybe I made a mistake. I actually worked at McKinsey in the UK Treasury for a bit and then, you know, realized I enjoyed academia, came back and have been here ever since. And I got involved in working from home almost 20 years ago because of a research grant and then a student of mine that co-founded a massive company that ran a randomized control trial. So, you know, I was doing this long before the pandemic. I guess in that sense, it was very fortunate. It was a very quiet topic up until March 2020, and then it's just exploded. And then you say working from home, I think that just scares people. Uh, sometimes I hear virtual working or remote working, but as soon as you say home, I think some managers have you know images of Netflix and snacks and not working. Well, yeah, I mean, it's true that before the pandemic, it was called working from home, shirking from home. It was very rare. So before the pandemic in America, only 5% of days. During the pandemic, it's gone up to about 50%. It's just a different world. It's like a kind of an asteroid hit to uh, you know, the future of work. The pre-pandemic, it was weird and unusual. Now it's totally normal. And for well-run companies, so if you have HR data, good performance management data, 
it doesn't really matter where somebody is. You say, you know, you say to me, if I was working for you, like Nick, you know, if you get your deliverables done, your performance metrics, people are happy, your 360 reviews come in great. I honestly don't care, you know, if, if you're at home, you're listening to Spotify during the day and working at night or vice versa. It's kind of get your job done. Now, you're right that for basically not well-run companies that manage by walking about, it's, it's an issue. In fact, if you remember, if you cast your mind back to Marissa Mayer, Yes, and the, yes. ba- the banning of Yahoo in 2013. I actually interviewed Marissa about a year ago, and it's fascinating. And her story was basically this. She said, look, when I took over as CEO of Yahoo in 2012, uh, I was putting in place this rigorous performance management system, but I didn't have it up and running. And about the same time, she discovered this group of people that were working from home full time, and there was no supervision. So she basically banned it. Once she got the performance management system in place, relaxed it, allowed them to work from home two, three days a week, which is like totally what the world is moving to now. So in an odd way, Yahoo in 2013 was kind of 10 years ahead of its time. Well, they were sort of maybe eventually ahead of its time, but at the time when they came out with that announcement, uh, they didn't seem to be ahead of anything. I mean, it was sort of like, okay, you've been doing this for years, but you should come back and it doesn't matter if you bought your house you know, a long way away. Uh, so they're one of the companies that went back and forth. IBM's another one. Uh, and there were quite a yeah, few. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yahoo, I think is, a, I think Yahoo is an example of horrible PR yes. for, a, for the right decision. Because what happened is the memo leaked out. So, I mean, I, I'm not here really to discuss PR, but, you know, Marissa Mayer was caught totally unaware. It was a leaked internal memo. But when you rolled over what actually happened, looking back with hindsight, you know, the world is going to hybrid. So just to be clear, what I'm advocating is not either extreme. So there are 50% of Americans that have to work on business premises, you know, like frontline retail manufacturers, sure, they, you know, essential services. That's unfortunate, but there's nothing, you can't really change that. Then the other 50% of Americans can work remotely. For the large majority of them, probably me, you, most listeners, it looks like life is going to be hybrid. So typically, say, three days in the office, two at home. Those three days should be really social, connected, vibrant. That is the best of both worlds because you get your face-to-face time and your culture building on those three days. You get your quiet time and your, you know, save them the commute on the other two days. So I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of either extreme, actually, for most people. For most people, fully remote or fully in-person is not what they want. They want to mix three, two, two, three. All right, let's go through the reasons for doing any of this. Uh, financial firms, right? The big ones, Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, have said they'd like people to come back to the office when they can. I mean, they were going to do it, I think, by now. They maybe pull back on that. What are the arguments for saying people should be together? So let, let's be, you know, just to be very precise about it, come back to the office three days a week versus come back to the office five days a week. So I'm entirely behind come back to the office three days a week, which most financial firms have behind. And in fact, I talked to a lot of the big banks. So the reason to do that is fully remote is hard for two things. One is building culture. Like if we're working together, in all honesty, if I'm talking to you over Zoom or Slack or you know email, I don't tend to connect nearly as closely as I would in person. We have lunch and coffee and maybe go for drinks, et cetera, after work. And the other is innovation. So it just seems, and there's research on this, that it's harder to come up with new ideas Harder to make connections out of your group. You never really bump into people in the canteen or over coffee from other divisions. But you don't need five days a week in the office to do that. You probably only need three. So most banks, most of the big banks, financial firms, tech firms are saying come back for three days a week post-Omicron. The two outliers are Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. Yes. They said in the spring, come back 
five days a week, we are full-time people that, to be honest, there's a bit of chest beating about, you know, the positioning, the posturing of, you know, where people, people come in. Uh, interestingly enough, that's yet to happen. I, it's not clear to me it will ever happen. And the reason is, you know, reverse it a bit. There's a lot of employees, and I've spoken to them in Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan, that really like three days a week uh, in the office and want to be at home two days a week. They go to senior managers in Goldman and say, look, Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley, Citibank, Lazards, Deutsche Bank, they're all offering me three, two. If you force me back five days a week, I'm going to leave. And what's been happening apparently behind the scenes is senior managers have said, okay, okay, I get it. We really want to keep you. Why don't you just do three, two? And as soon as 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 employees do that, the system kind of collapses. So maybe there's a massive recession and people, you know, employers can be ruthless and horrible to employees. You can get away with it. But right now, in very hot labor markets, big firms are struggling to retain people. And so, you know, I'm not sure whether Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan are ever going to actually force people back five days a week. Because it's a good question. As of yet, they've postponed it. It's not clear it will ever, it will ever uh, come to that because it may just be too costly. Their quit rates will go through the roof. And, you know, they're pretty rapid. I suspect they'll end up never fully pushing that forward. I thought it was interesting that the new mayor of New York, uh, Mr. Adams, actually supported the view of having people back to work. He said, I forget who the actual quote was along the lines of, you know, this is an important city. We can't run it from people's homes. I thought, okay, that's kind of old style thinking. Yeah, well, you know, again, there's two things. One is um, it's kind of like American politics has become so polarized. So people kind of, there was actually three options. There's fully in-person, hybrid, and fully remote. And the hybrid, if you're looking for sound bikes, gets forgotten about. And so I don't know whether he's referring to hybrid or fully, you know, it's hard to know what he was talking about there. Uh, so hybrid means getting people back to the office. Okay, so here's my question about hybrid work. It sounds like the best of both worlds on paper, but what happens when you get a company that finds a candidate that doesn't want to come in at all? Maybe they live a couple of states away or they want to buy a house quite a bit away from the office. You're going to get some managers who say, look, I need this person. I can have them like come in quarterly or once a month or whatever. I'm not going to force them. So you've made an exception to this and you have other people unhappy and you make other exceptions. I just have a problem with thinking hybrid's a sustainable model, particularly with the price of real estate in a lot of major centers. People don't necessarily want to live that close. So great question. So to be clear, post-pandemic, it looks like there's going to be three groups, roughly 50% that are fully in person, they're lower paid, you know, frontline retail manufacturing, et cetera. There's probably another 35% that are hybrid, that probably a lot of listeners, they're managers, professionals, they run teams often, or they're hoping to run teams, they're creatives. There's a final group of about 10 to 15% that look like they remain fully remote. They are more skewed towards things like IT support, HR, some payroll. Now, if you're in that final group, if you take Stanford University, you know I know because I've been dealing with this internally, that's fine. You know, I, a lot of these functions can be done extremely effectively remotely and, you know, local labor markets in New York, San Francisco are expensive. So for that group, I'm completely fine with that. The middle group is harder. So if you have someone that's a middle or senior manager that wants to be fully remote, I probably would not hire them into that situation in the first place because it's hard to manage. I mean, imagine you have a team of eight people that are coming in three days a week and you're fully remote. You can see that's just not really going to work. If they've got into that situation during the pandemic, I would probably suggest I give you six months maybe to adjust with that clock starting potentially from when we return, which is not yet. So 
you know, again, I may say, look, in March, we're going to come back. I understand you've moved to Mississippi because you want to be near a family. If you can come back within six months, you can keep your role. If not, I think we're going to need to hire somebody locally that can come in. I mean, you know, it's the reality of business that if you're managing a team, creating, working with clients and customers, you need to be on site probably three days a week. You just don't need to be there five days. So sure, you can move to the suburbs, say, of New York. You just can't move to Mississippi or Alaska and do the job. It's interesting because it really is going to depend on who has the power here. If it is a matter of a talent crunch that gets deeper and worse, then you may see workers cutting different deals. If we have, as you say, a huge recession, uh, then who knows how it will go. So it'll be an interesting couple of years on that. I think so. To be clear, my view is hybrid is best for firms. So I'm not uh, advocating hybrid for managers and professionals because it's it is what employees want. So that's one upside, but actually it's also better for firms. Research shows that if you can organize it well, the three days in the week is enough for the social and connected time to get all your culture building and innovation. You may say, why should a firm allow people to work from home in the other two days a week? Well, the reason is they're more productive for two reasons. One is it's quieter and quiet time is actually done better at home. So it's reading, writing, preparing presentations, doing data work. There's, you know, there's plenty of noise in the office, you know, Girlfriend, boyfriend, breakups, World Cup sweepstakes, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the other is they save on commute. The average American commutes an hour a day. Our survey data suggests about 40% of the time saved in commuting for working from home goes on your primary job. So if you, if you have an employee that works from home two days a week, you save them two hours a week on average. They probably spend almost an hour extra working for you and just over an hour in leisure. And so those two factors mean it's actually an employer's interest to do it. So I think even in horrible recessions, we're still going to see hybrid, uh, maybe slightly more days in person and maybe slightly less days remote. But I don't think it's, I don't think it's ever going away. I think it's very much here to stay. You talk to companies, as you said, what are the things you're hearing in terms of this transition? Because it's a transition from you know, the traditional form of work to something different. I think the huge battleground that there's just going to be so many fights over and a lot of angst and upsetness is over the trade-off between choice and coordination. So to be clear, for fully remote and for fully in-person employees, there's really no decision. It's pretty obvious what they're doing. So for the roughly third of people, and they tend to be higher paid execs, managers that are hybrid, there's two ways to run this. One extreme is you tell employees, you choose how many days and which days you come in to the office. And in surveys, employees really like that. It's like, I can choose, you know, I can pick my kids up on this day or co, you know, overlap with my spouse or go bowling with my, whatever you want to do. And the other view is we're going to coordinate. And the reason is we like people in on the same days. Because when you come into the office, you come in because you want to work with your coworkers, you want energy and in-person meetings. And it doesn't really work if there's some people on a Monday, Tuesday, others Wednesday, Thursday. So those two views clash. My prediction, what I've seen in the data is particularly for larger firms, coordination is going to trump. And the reason is even employees ultimately mostly are figuring out that, you know, we had some, to be clear, this is from experiments in the fall where we were starting to go back to hybrid, that if you're going in and half your coworkers are not there, it's not very pleasant, actually. So you come in and you're like in the office spending most of the day on Zoom. Because you're like, you know, I'm here, but the people I want to work with are at home. And, you know, why am I here? Why am I commuting in to sit on my laptop? And so even employees generally say they'd want something coordinated. So in on the same day. But I think what's going to happen, we'll go back in the spring and the summer of 2022. There'd be a lot of different experiments. There'd be fights. Eventually, 
much like pre-pandemic, we agreed to work Monday to Friday and be at home Saturday, Sunday. Didn't seem very radical. Eventually, with hybrid, firms are going to agree to say, come in Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, be at home Monday, Friday. But in the short run, there's going to be a lot of chaos. Yeah, chaos is true. Now, what about the management skills to deal with this? It's not exactly what we had before. Uh, it's not even physically the same office that we need. How much transition is there going to be? And, and do we have to retrain managers to deal with this? Um, a couple of things. So on management skills, one important thing is better performance management software and training. So some you know, particularly badly managed firms could kind of get away with management by walking around. So when you're in the office five days a week, you know, Linda, if you're managing me, you walk by my desk. Am I working hard, you know, typing away or do I appear to be, you know, playing online games or something? When I'm remote two or maybe three days a week, you can't do that nearly as much. And so you're going to just have to rely more on 360 reviews, performance analysis. I mean, when I worked at McKinsey, for example, I had pretty rigorous. There was a whole dashboard of metrics and review systems. It was tough, but I thought it was fair. That, I think, is extremely important. The other change is on the physical infrastructure of the office. So a lot of firms are talking about how what are called madmen cubicle offices, individual offices that people used to sit alone for much of the day. That kind of stuff has gone out. And what's coming in is more conference rooms, more open plan seating, and also what I call Zoom cubicles. And the reason is now if we're only in three days a week, we're expected those three days a week to be really social. So I, let's say, have meeting, meeting, meeting. I then have a one-hour break. I shouldn't really be you know, closeted away in an office. I should be in an open plan area, maybe doing email kind of airport lounge style. But if somebody walks by and wants to grab me, they can grab me and see me there. So I think we want to get rid of you know, cubicle offices and open it up and make offices more, more enjoyable, more pleasant. So that's the other move. It's not towards shrinking them and it's not towards moving them out into the suburbs. It's towards keeping them in city centers, but having them more pleasant, more social, and more connected. So those three hybrid days work well. It's interesting you say city centers because that's also a point of contention. You think we'll continue to have downtowns the way they are with head offices and people there? Well, okay, there's two trends. One is clear, one is less clear. So the very clear trend is individuals, so people where they live, have moved out to some extent of city centers. So across the 12 largest U.S. cities, I have data from the U.S. Postal Service change of address, and we see about 15% of people have left city centers. And you know, that's obvious why, in a sense, because if you're going to work from home three days a week, say you don't need to be in the center, you, you want an office and you can live further out because you have a commute less. So you know, that's been offset with lower property prices, relatively lower rents in city centers. It's not a disaster. It's just slightly less people living there and rents are lower. And, you know, each person now has a slightly larger bit of space. For firms, the second trend is less clear to me. You know, reading the tea leaves, the kind of thing that I'm seeing and from firms and seeing and talking to commercial property companies is firms are not really leaving city centers. So their view is hybrid is the future. If we want people in three days a week connected and working together in like a social setting, you don't want it in some office-style industrial park where it's not too pleasant and it's hard for people living around the suburbs to get to. You want it in the same place it was before, in the center of town, where you can have three connected days. It's easier to commute in. There's shops, you know, restaurants, entertainment afterwards. So I've not heard many firms are moving, and I've not heard that many firms downsizing, actually. They're saying, look, we're going to have less football, but most of it's going to be on, say, when Monday, Friday or Wednesday, Friday. And so we can't really shrink space. And even if we could, 
people are very sensitive now about density, like density in elevators and kitchens and lobbies. So companies are generally only doing one big thing that I'm noticing. It's just redesigning the office space. They're neither moving the office or typically shrinking. You mentioned the social part of this a couple of times. How important is that? Because like, we've all had good experiences with our colleagues and we've all had colleagues we don't want to spend more time with. Yes. So another interesting fact that kind of relates a little bit to diversity actually on this, which is if you look in the survey data, what you also find is people that are minorities on, which means less than 10% of their co-workers falls into the same age bin, gender, race, religion, and politics report they find it less enjoyable to be in work. And you can kind of imagine why. If you feel like on you know, any of those dimensions, say age, if I'm you know, the only person over 50 in the office full of 20-year-olds, I may feel it's less of an enjoyable experience. So that's worth bearing in mind when thinking about work from home policies in the sense that if you have a company whereby the two home days are, say, optional, you may find people in you know majority of on demographics come in, and because they're in the office, they tend to get promoted up. So this is you know presenteeism bias. People that are maybe more minorities on various dimensions feel less comfortable at work. They tend to take their full work from home days at home, get left behind. And so another tricky thing to manage for companies is not just making sure people come in on the say three days in the office, but actually making sure people stay at home on the two home days. Because otherwise you get this unraveling, you know, you can imagine, say, sing, single young men that live next to the office come in, they're there, they get promoted up, you have, a, you know, a long run diversity crisis. So I think another management issue that's subtler than the choice thing is over actually making sure people work from home on the work from home days. Because it's very easy. I've heard, I've spoken to quite a few managers that have said, you know, we are going to work from home Wednesday, Friday. But I quite like coming into Wednesday, so I'm going to keep coming in on Wednesday. And you, you know what's going to happen. Of course, people that work for them are going to say, I need to come in on Wednesday too to get ahead. And mostly they will, except, say, the one person with a young kid. And, you know, he or she's then going to fall behind and you're going to end up, you know, not promoting people as young children because they're not in their workplace as much. Yeah, and it's a really tricky thing. But what if that person is actually okay with that for the short term? The guy who was the young guy next to the office moves further and has a bunch of kids and says, you know, I can go a few years without a promotion, but this is what works for me. Do you give them the option to be home more? No, no. So to be clear, if the scheme is 3-2, take Apple. Apple have explicitly said Monday, Tuesday, Thursday in the office, Wednesday, Friday at home. I think it's important to make sure people are at home on Wednesday, Friday, because if they're not, it's not clear you really have the option to do it. So take this as an example. This six people in a team, five of your team members start to go in on the Wednesday and Friday. And so sixth person, it's very clear if you stay behind and work on home, you're going to get left behind in promotion. There's plenty of evidence on that. So you're like, do I really have the choice? Well, no, I don't really have the choice. I either have the choice between my career flat, you know, stalling, or being at home on the days I'm supposed to work from home. So I think... Actually, the fairest thing, and again, I've taught the companies is you want definitely people on in work on the workdays because the whole idea is energy and connectivity, and that's probably three days a week. You actually want them at home with a norm to be at home so that people can enjoy it and make use of it rather than feeling like they're getting left behind and there's some trade-off between being home versus their career. Interesting. So if we go ahead a few years, let's say we get through this pandemic this year, hopefully, uh, and then we have a couple of years of transition. If we go three or four years out, what will be the norms in the workplace, the U.S. workplace or the global workplace? Well, 
Another thing I should say, I think the norms I've given are particularly appropriate for larger firms. So let's take two, two examples. One is Apple, which has 150,000 employees. You need one rule, you know, at least, let's say, 50,000 of professionals and managers. They need some hybrid rule, and they pick something in the middle, you know, three days in, two days at home. If you're a firm of five or 10 employees, you may instead go to one of the extremes. So we know from survey data about 20% of people want to come in every day. About 30% of people want to work from home every day. And the other 50% are in the middle. So if I was running a small firm of, say, five or 10 people, an alternative strategy is to say, look, our thing is going to be coming in every day. Now, I get that 60 70% of people don't like that, but there's another 30% of people that really do like that. And I'm just going to target them as my employees. I don't need to appeal to everyone. I only need 10 loyal and you know, keen employees. Or in reverse, I'm going to be fully remote. So I think we'll see a world whereby large firms are going for the standard, you know, the middle of the road, which is hybrid 3-2. Smaller firms may be out on the niches and say, much like there are, you know, small companies around the country that go for particular things and flavors, and some firms allow people to work at night. I think it's not a bad idea. If it was my small firm, I might be fully remote. I'm aware that some employees, those that are single maybe, and young singles don't like that. Maybe they don't work in my firm, and maybe I have a slightly different group, but those employees I do have that want to work five days a week are going to be much more loyal and much more committed to my firm. Nick, lots to think about. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Linda, great to catch up. Thank you for having me on. Professor Nicholas Bloom is a professor of economics at Stanford University. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Professor Bloom and his work, please check out our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you'd like to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at @relentlesseco. Now, if you did enjoy this conversation about the future of work, please take a moment, leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe because that's how people find us and that will really let us keep these conversations going. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at theworkandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work and the Future Podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. 